Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. I'm on a section of the Bonneville Shoreline Trail. It's a section of trail I haven't been on in years. And, uh... I was just saying something and I got sidetracked first by noticing a, an unusual bird fly past me. Uh, which I'll have to look in a book to identify. And then I stopped and noticed that there were, I don't know, a dozen black-capped chickadees who were just hanging out in the trees right next to me and flying around. And I don't know what it is about black-capped chickadees, but I, I love them. They're one of my favorite birds. They'll come to the feeder outside the house, and I love how skittish they are. They fly up when no other birds are looking, they hope, and grab one seed and fly off with it. A couple minutes later, come back, grab a seed, and fly off. They don't hang out. They don't sit and fight for territory with the other birds at the feeder. They just take what they need and get out of the way. Before that, I mentioned that I'm walking along the Bonneville Shoreline Trail, part of the trail where I haven't been in years. I like this trail because it's flat. There aren't many flat trails around here when you live in the mountains. Uphill and downhill are easy to come by, but flat is a rare commodity. And this, I can walk along, and it's as gentle as they come. The downside is that from where I stand, I can overlook the city, which is fine, but I also have to listen to it. It's a roar behind me, just a steady roar of traffic. And there's, well, it it takes a good bit of walking before I can put that entirely behind me. I can push it to the background in my head, but, only somewhat. Today, I'm going to be reading a poem by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Great early 20th century poet, known for writing both modernist poetry and more traditional poetry. But one thing I really like about Millay's poetry is that it's muscular. It's got some punch to it. It's got some grit and guts. The poem I'm going to read today is perfect because it's called Spring. I'm going to have to stop and get it out of my bag, though, because this is one that I have to read from the book. So i got to get up to a good spot up here a ways. Oh, this looks good.
Here's a poem from 1921 called Spring. To what purpose, April, do you return again? Beauty is not enough. You can no longer quiet me with the redness of little leaves opening stickily. I know what I know. The sun is hot on my neck as I observe the spikes of the crocus. The smell of the earth is good. It is apparent that there is no death. But what does that signify? Not only under the ground are the brains of men eaten by maggots. Life in itself is nothing. An empty cup, a flight of uncarpeted stairs. It is not enough that yearly down this hill, April comes like an idiot babbling and strewing flowers. I like this poem because I can't decide whether it's a happy spring poem or a dark spring poem. And we don't think of spring poems as being dark. But somehow there is something in this this particular verse by Malay that seems to invoke a kind of bitter, what, bitter sadness? I've read this poem a dozen times, a dozen times out loud, and as I read it each time, another thing pops out to me and another thing pops out to me. It's a poem that the first couple of times I knew there was something I wanted to get at, but I couldn't tell exactly what it was. There is so much in this poem that is subtextual, so much which is only implied but not directly stated, that we have to unpack the poem to get at what precedes the poem. What precedes the poem is not entirely clear, but we can, as we peel back layers, as we try and understand individual lines, can get a gist. We can somewhat understand what Malay is getting at here. She begins with a defiant question. To what purpose, April, do you return again? She's saying, Why did you even bother? Why are you here? We know what April signifies. Just the word April. You have a poem that begins with April, and we know this is going to be about rebirth and renewal, and it's going to be green. But this poem doesn't do that. Her second line is defined as well. Beauty is not enough. So what's your reason? Not just because you're beautiful, that doesn't justify your return. And then here is where at first really we get our good glimpse. You can no longer quiet me, she says. She is unquieted. And whatever April provides, it is not enough. There is more unquiet in her than what the the comfort and joy and renewal of spring and April can provide. I know what I know, she says later. That is not telling us what it is that she knows, but that she is firm and fixed. What she has experienced is of such magnitude, perhaps just personally to her, but is so powerful that she cannot allow just this external, impersonal, objective thing to change it, to erase that. 
On line nine, she says, it is apparent that there is no death, but what does that signify? If we put this in a religious context and see this as perhaps a woman who is looking at the death of a loved one and saying, sure, my faith tells me that there will be a resurrection and that families will be together again later, but that does not provide the immediate comfort that she's looking for. That doesn't let her say, oh, everything is fine now. That perhaps a beloved or a parent or a sibling or some deeply loved person is gone. So it is apparent that there is no death, but what does that signify? Or in other words, what's the good of that? And then this line that I've read and reread trying to understand. Not only under the ground are the brains of men eaten by maggots. Not only under the ground are the brains of men eaten by maggots. I think what she's saying there is, yes, in death, our bodies are wasted away. In particular, our brains eaten by maggots, brains destroyed. We become thoughtless. But not only under the ground, that even those who are living, even those who are walking among us today, some of whom have brains eaten by maggots. Or perhaps she's talking about herself, her own brain eaten by maggots, that she feels empty and lifeless and passionless, that she feels unselved. Which then explains perhaps, or at least indicates, what might be going on in the next line. Life in itself is nothing, an empty cup, a flight of uncarpeted stairs. The heads that are empty of brains because they've been eaten by maggots and the empty cup echo each other a little bit. And then in that last line, where the babbling and strewing flowers, the babbling like a brook, a traditional springtime image, strewing flowers, again, traditional springtime, but coming like an idiot. Again, thoughtless, just almost meaningless. The babbling of an idiot is very different than the babbling of a brook. And both of them are invoked in those last few words. One more time, Edna St. Vincent Millay's Spring. To what purpose, April, do you return again? Beauty is not enough. You can no longer quiet me with the redness of little leaves opening stickily. I know what I know. The sun is hot on my neck as I observe the spikes of the crocus. The smell of the earth is good. It is apparent that there is no death, but what does that signify? Not only under the ground are the brains of men eaten by maggots. Life in itself is nothing, an empty cup, a flight of uncarpeted stairs. It is not enough that yearly down this hill, April comes like an idiot, babbling and strewing flowers. Thank you.